Welcome to the Collective Scope Podcast, where we talk to great leaders who are influencing the next generation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Collective Scope Podcast. Man, we are really excited to have with us today. Really excited. Alex Seeley from the Belonging Co. Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and in the incredible work that they're doing there. Uh, but Alex, in and of her own right, is a stellar leader. Uh, just had a book come out recently, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Alex, welcome to the show. We are so grateful that you've joined us today. Well, thank you for having me. Excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, Alex, we uh, really, the podcast is, was not the plan. We were going to write a book, and um, <laughs> so we didn't realize we didn't have any information, so we had to talk to great leaders <laughs> to find things out. But in that process, what's funny is we, I was reading a book by Chip and Dan Heath. I don't know if you're familiar with them. They're the researchers, um, really not in the faith community, though I think they are people of faith. And they talked about bright spots, that when you want to make a change, you look for bright spots. And Rob and I got in this discussion about where are churches that are reaching young adults, reaching millennials, reaching into Gen Z, where are these bright spots? And the Belonging Co. had just hit the radar for us, and we were kind of tracking with you guys. And I was like, we've got to talk to Alex Seeley. So it's been a year in the making. So we're so happy this is happening. Yeah. Oh, so amazing. To have this. So, well, happy um, to be here. My wife and I kind of crashed your party uh, in May when Lisa Bevere was there. Oh, on a Tuesday yay. Night, and it was an incredible experience. So if we've got Nashville listeners who haven't been to the Belonging Co., you need to go. Got to um, go. Got to go. Yeah, so, actually, some of my good friends from California just moved here from Southern California are uh, members at your church there. So oh, they, they, amazing. I'm so glad. We love it. <laughs> so, yeah so now if you've been listening for about 30 seconds you've noticed that alex has a distinct southern accent um so maybe not maybe not maybe very naturally but but <laughs> it's definitely not a national accent so can you tell us how how you got from the down under to nashville yeah well obviously i'm for those of you who are listening i am australian and my husband and i uh, moved to nashville tennessee eight years ago um really by a quite a small still voice of the holy spirit just saying um move to america uh, which was quite unusual because we never thought we would leave our beautiful homeland um but it was a real stirring and um I remember talking to our pastors and they were like, well, if this is the Lord, apply for a green card in the lottery. And Americans probably don't really know uh, about the green card lottery, but um, the government gives away 50,000 permanent resident green cards a year to foreigners that have to go through quite a grueling process. But it's kind of like winning the actual lottery because the odds are very slim. And uh, 14 million people apply on average every year. And um, Australia, they only give a very small portion to, I think it was about 900 get selected out of that 50,000. So the odds are small and not very many people have got it. So we applied and that was kind of our fleece to see if God was saying that was the case. And um, in 2011, we, we got the green card and made our way in the process um, to America and arrived here 2012. And so that's really what got us here. That's an amazing story. Uh, I actually had not heard that part of your story yet. Um, yeah. And I love your faith. That's incredible. Now, so, yeah. man, you guys, like something happened with the green card. You didn't get it the first time, right? That's exactly right. Um, we So we applied that 2010. Uh, and in 2011, we got the notification that we had been unsuccessful. And I was like, oh, okay, well, obviously God said no. And Henry was actually on tour in Germany at the time with um, our band. And um, he gets this letter notification from the State Department saying uh, there's been a retraction and that there's going to be a redraw of the lottery because there was a glitch in the computer system. And he thought it was a scam. And um, he just kind of thought, hold on a minute, I'll, I'll just sit on this for a while. Came home, told me, and I said, love, I think this is legit. And I started researching it. Many Americans had already started a class action against the government for those who had won and now had it revoked. Um, but I knew it was the Lord. And that was in May. 
of 2011 and then in July of 2011 they redrew it and that's when we got picked and so yeah God was very clear saying I need you guys to go <laughs> that's yeah. amazing I love that well that's the show that is amazing follow well, those voice uh you're probably, you guys are probably most notable now for uh, launching the church, The Belonging Co., Yeah, um, which is a great church. And uh, I, I do know kind of the story of how that started, but maybe yeah. our listeners don't. And, I, and again, I think it's just another tremendous example of your and Henry's faith to lead and to come to America and do the work that you're doing in such a unique culture uh, yeah. that you guys are ministering to in Nashville. So kind of just quickly give us a little, a little, you know, history on how you actually uh, planted and started the church. Yeah. Well, we, we always call ourselves the accidental church planters because it was mm. never on our radar. And for those of you who don't know, my husband has always been an incredible worship leader, uh, music producer and writer and sound engineer. And so his, his stream was always kind of set um, in stone. So we thought, and I'd always been on a pastoral team at church for about 17, 18 years. So it had always been my wheelhouse, but um, Henry's always been a great pastor, but that was, he never dreamed of running his own church. And so when we were here, he was working with a lot of um, people as a, a record engineer and producer. And so what happened, we just kept meeting artists, writers, musicians, all the creative community. And we were looking for a church. And so we would always ask them, where do you go to church? Where do you go to church? Right. And they would always say, oh, we only go here because we have to, or we get paid because we you know, play there, but we don't really like our churches. And I'm like, how does no one like their church? Like, um, yeah. you know, I want to know. And, you know, we circled around 21 churches and we just couldn't find one that we loved and we're not church hoppers I mean I've been part of the same church my whole life basically and um, we were just looking for where the spirit was moving and where the word was rich and where community could be found and we just we just couldn't pinpoint it but I think God had our eyes veiled for a specific mm. reason and so as we were um, you know looking uh, for these people we just saw the need of, um, you know, sheep without a shepherd. And yeah. the, here are these people that are ministering every weekend out on the road, but nobody's pouring into them and they don't have a church community. And so uh, God had really spoken to us about cleaning the waters from scripture in July. I really felt like God spoke to me personally. And I said to Henry, I think this is our mandate. I think we're supposed to clean the waters of Nashville. Uh, the spiritual waters because mm. they're toxic and polluted. And I feel like the industry is a little bit toxic and polluted. And I feel like God wants to, you know, do something with a fresh wave of the spirit, but didn't really understand what that meant. But as our eyes were awakened to the need, we realized there were just all these people needing to be shepherded. And so my husband one day just goes, what about if we just open up home and we invite people on Tuesday night because everyone gets on a tour bus on a Wednesday. They travel throughout Sunday. They get home Monday. So Monday and Tuesday is normally their Sabbath. So why don't we do something Tuesday night? And I'm like, all right, we'll see. And five people turned up that night. So there were seven of us in our basement. And I don't like to use this term lightly, but you really did feel the glory of God fall in that room and something happened and lives got changed. Every single person was changed and we did it every other Tuesday and people would just invite their friends and we never invited another human. And by the end of that year, we had over a hundred people in our basement and God was moving in artists, lives, musicians, um, writers, you know, all this, it was just this eclectic group of people that just were hungry for God and it wasn't until a year later that we actually got a job offer to go to California and pastor with one of our heroes that um, God really spoke to us and said, guys, uh, I know you think this is just a nice little gathering that you've got going on, but it was actually Chris Kane who prophesied over us and said, look, there's a church in you and what you guys are doing is profound and you have to establish it as a church. I know you've never had that in your brain, but this is what God is saying. And we said no to our hero in California and we went back to our little group on Tuesday night that November of 2013. And we're like, we're official. We're going to be a church. And really the, 
the group that was now 100 were like, finally, Alex and Henry are finally on board. Because yeah. we've been calling this church the whole time. And, um, and basically, we didn't even launch. We really just couldn't fit in our basement anymore. So February of 2014 is when we hired a little venue that fit 110 people in it, which I just don't even know why we booked that. I think it was the only thing available. And we just... <laughs> We couldn't contain the people and two weeks later we found another venue and then a month later found another venue and the rest is history and it's uh, now the baloney. You guys have have sort of done church planning the opposite of what everybody tells us on how to do church planning. Rob and I have both been in church plants and part of church plants and and the belongings like the antithesis of of that. Like, Like it's like, hey, go out and have all these events and different things. And so what was distinct about what was happening with you guys that was not the norm, that people were just drawn to it? What was really the, the, I guess, the drawing factor behind why they were coming to your basement? The presence of God was uh, palpable. It was tangible. And people were getting set free and delivered. Yeah. We, weren't, we weren't giving a three-point sermon of how to have a good life. Um, we weren't programming and just doing fellowship and eating, we, we were going after hearts and uh, the presence of God was there and we saw deliverance. And a lot of people try and work the method, but I, I, there's no way of explaining, but it's actually what you carry as a leader. And Henry and I have always been brought up to minister um, and let the Holy Spirit do the work. But you've got to know that and experience that yourself on a personal level in order to lead that. And I think that's the X factor, if you like, is that we understand how to navigate a meeting to allow the Holy Spirit to do the heart work. Yeah. And so people were getting set free, delivered. And this is how the Acts Church exploded because the they were getting an encounter with God and then they went and told everybody about it. And I think we are so consumed with how to relate to a generation and sell them a product. Mm. Uh, Jesus doesn't need any help. Just wherever Jesus was, people were thronging around him. And if we just center it back to the presence of God and the truth of his word, people will come flocking. People are a little tired of the program. Yeah. I, I mentioned earlier, Rob, that I was there back in May. Um, and, and admittedly, because I know a little bit about Alex and Henry, I went with an expectation. Lisa Bavir was speaking that night, so I had an expectation that God would show up and do great things. What I didn't realize, I mean, I, I've been in church most of my life. There's, there's a lot of times a warm-up. Like, you sing a song and the spirit kind of gets warmed up. Not at the belonging. The first chord, the first note, that place just exploded with this palpable, like she says, sense of the spirit. And I thought it was just me with expectation. Then I look around, there's like 600 people on a Tuesday night and like everybody's immediately engaged in worship and and, an experience that I'll never forget and go, that's what I want. And and if I could have moved my family to Nashville, I would have probably, (laughs) but but it was so real and rich. And I think you're right on, Alex. People do desire that. Uh, I think that's what we're finding here on campus somewhat. Students desire that and are not finding that. Um, so, so how, and maybe there's not a, how. maybe the how's the wrong question, but where can we look to kind of begin to, to, I don't even know the question to, to have that in our life, that palpable spirit on a continual basis. Yeah. It's actually really simple, but it's hard at the same time because, um, I don't know any other way I, I was raised to be in spirit-filled environments. Our pastors in Australia are exceptional at at presence. Like I can't explain it. I just know they are very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So they know when to move, when to speak, when to pray, when to prophesy, when when there's healing in the atmosphere. And so we learned this. This is is all we ever knew. And so... We were taught, trained how to, what was the Holy Spirit? A lot of people will go, they'll use the verbiage, but you can't deny the feeling of Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit. When he's in the room, you know he's in the room. So you can conjure it all up with your words and you can get 
all the lights and all the smoke machines and all the words and you can look like a certain outfit. That's not what ushers in the presence of God. You yourself have to be a carrier of the presence of God. You yourself have to dig wells in your bedroom, living room. Mm -hmm. You yourself have to know the person of Holy Spirit so that when you're in a meeting, you're listening and you're obedient. And I think what's happened is we've underestimated the hunger of the people and we have followed a worldly pattern instead of going after the Holy Spirit. But because I think in past years, the Holy Spirit's been abused and mismanaged, people have swung the pendulum and gone, oh, we don't want any of that crazy in our church. Mm -hmm. So let's just stick to the word and let's control every minute so that we know what we're going to expect. And we've taken the spontaneity of Holy Spirit, because you would have noticed, Jeff, it's not disorderly in our church. It's not, not like all. people, it's not like people are like, you know, flouncing around and they've got all sorts of crazy going on. Right. It, but you can sense that what Holy Spirit is actually doing in the individual, we don't even need to preach because the Holy yeah. Spirit's doing what he needs to do. Yeah. So it's yeah. really, you've got to want it. You've got to yeah. hunger it. You've got to dig for it. It, it was weird. It was a, it was, and I don't know how to describe it other than it was a me and an us. Like there was this, yeah. like me and Jesus, me and Holy Spirit sort of thing going. And then there was the 600 people around me and it was like an us, like yeah. all at yeah. the same point. It wasn't chaos at all. Yeah. And, and Rob, you and I have grown up, well, I grew up in Pentecostal environments. You got saved into a Pentecostal environment. Yeah. We've seen our fair share of chaos. Um, same. So, so I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was appreciative of the atmosphere, um, of the belonging. And not, I don't think it's just, just isolated to where you guys are. I think there's other houses having similar moves of God. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But it was so refreshing. Yeah, I think, I think even here on campus, you know, one of the things that, um, I just got here last year, came in, coming from California, but uh, actually I'm, I was very, very close to your hero. So yeah. I was just a few minutes down the street from, from them, but, um, yes the challenge that I first saw when I came to campus was, was exactly what you're, what you're talking about. And, and we struggle on a yeah. college campus with helping students understand, first of all, the importance of digging that well, yes. because it does not happen magically. There's no formulaic sort no. of thing that you can do to create that no. atmosphere. It's something that you carry. I love the way you said that because that re that personal piece, that relationship piece that you have, with the Lord, with the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is what yeah. generates everything else. That's so right. That's the first piece. And that's, that's the struggle that we're trying to work out here on campus. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason why we're doing the podcast yeah. at the same time, I've clearly seen a powerful dynamic shift in yeah. the atmosphere. Uh, we had an event here last, last semester, close to the end of the fall semester. Yeah. We did a corporate baptism and had never been done on campus. Wow. And that spontaneity that you're talk, talking about, it was legitimately, and again, yep. we've been in some heavy Pentecostal settings. Yeah. It was legitimately one of the most authentic expressions of God I've ever experienced in my entire yes. life. And you it know why? Real, yeah. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, but it, no, it's it, fine. No, no, it we, fine. We, we want to hear from you. Go yeah. ahead. It, no, but, but it's because there was, there was the, look at what, what these guys were doing. There was a repentance, even if it was a rebaptism, it was a holiness that okay. they were going after. And God, he pours out his spirit when we come into that alignment with him. Mm -hmm. It's all he's looking for. He's just looking for surrendered hearts who are hungry to be in his presence. And baptism is the most public display. Our, our baptism services are off the chain because we saturate them in worship. And when people are saying before God and man, I'm following Jesus, God, what did he do to Jesus? He opened the windows of heaven and the Holy Spirit descended. The same thing happened that night. And that's what we've got to cultivate. Now we can't just have baptisms every week, but that right. same presence knows how to pour out yeah. when there's hearts that are hungry and hearts that are ready and hearts that are pure. And that's what I'm loving, you know, Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I'm loving it. I mean, it, I, I, there's still very few words that I can actually describe to use to describe that moment. Yeah. We, I think we had three people sign up for baptism. We ended up baptizing almost 70 
students yeah. out of the 200 that were yeah. present, 250 that were Brilliant. present or whatever it was. It's beautiful. And it, was, it was unbelievable. So, so there's some of that here that's being cultivated. It's beautiful. It's incredible yeah. to see. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to, to experience. But going back to that digging the well piece, one of the things that we are passionate about here is biblical literacy with our students because that is a piece of the puzzle of digging the well. There's no way that you can fully understand or appreciate or know God in his power without also knowing his word. Totally. And so that's part of what we're trying to cultivate here, um, not only in the podcast, but also just in terms of the ministry that we do. So can you just kind of talk about that uh, a little bit in terms of helping younger generations sort of encounter that passion for God's word? Yeah, I think the thing that we've done, I can only speak from experience um, of even what we've done here uh, is present the word the way the belonging kind of almost started and it's hard to do the bigger that you get, but the way it started is that I would come with a word that I felt was a now word for the people, the audience that I'm talking to. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just a word of three point sermon. It was a Holy spirit word that would go into their hearts. Now what that does when you, when you speak the word like a Rima word, that comes alive, it presents a hunger in somebody receiving. And so now they're like, that word, now I've taken action with it. So I always get people to confess, repent, do, do an action at the end of it. So instead of just preaching the word and going, okay, guys, see you next week, the end of the sermon is not just a salvation order call, the end of the sermon, because I've already anticipated where I want to go with these people, I'm now getting them to engage and give, invite them into the opportunity to, to repent, to do business with God. So that what tended to happen is they would go home with a renewed hunger, a renewed fire. And so mm. then you're presenting the word, not sugar-coated, in truth, you're getting them to act on the word, but then it, it creates a hunger. So you can't force people to read their word it's just going to be like eating dry bricks. You need to present a desire and a hunger. And it's exactly what Jesus did when he walked the earth. He, he talked in parables so that those that had an appetite to go deeper, they would see beyond the obvious. They were mm. always cryptic because they, they hooked you in. But if you had eyes to see, you wanted more. If you were not interested, they were disengaged and almost like, huh? Because he never gave it to, he, he wasn't a captain obvious God. And this is how we've got to be with our students and just with our people is it does, it, it sparks a hunger. And I think if you can display your passion for the word, you can present it in a way that's Holy Spirit saturated, they're going to catch that hunger. But also you're in a perfect place. The importance of getting them in the, into their word, not just to fulfill an assignment, but actually for it to come alive in small groups is, is the, ba the best way. Because that's, I think, the disconnect with the old Pentecostal way was that they, they were more present without the word, but we are yeah. equally present, equally word. Right. Yeah. A question I didn't, want, didn't send, and, and it's an error on my part, but, but we're talking about heroes. You are a hero to my wife. She is a gifted, gifted Bible teacher and yeah. loves, loves to teach and preach like that. And so this is, this is a question for her. So when she listens back, I'm just, no, I'm, I'm doing this for you, Rachel. I love it. So, <laughs> um, what would you say to 22 year old Alex, who yeah. was growing in faith, um, in, in a, a good house where you were, who didn't know she was going to be a full-time pastor as a, especially as a woman, because it's not always accepted in every atmosphere and every place. What would you tell her now looking back? Well, I'll have to do that in two parts because at 22, I was a full-time pastor. Um, okay. And in Australia, um, it's very celebrated to be a woman in ministry. So there's a difference for my story to probably your wife, Rachel's story yeah. or to a many women in America. And that's what I'm finding. And I actually think this is why God purposely brought me. My husband always says it. He goes, remember who won the green card out? It was you because God <laughs> needed you to be here to open the voices of women yeah. in the South, especially um, because it's so not celebrated here. But my 20 year old self, my 
my 11 year old self of when I felt the call of God on my life. Um, but when I was 20, I, I didn't understand what God had for me because I hadn't really seen a lot of women ahead of me. Mm. I mean, I didn't, even though women are celebrated, my senior pastor's wife would preach, but she would only preach three or four times a year. Um, but when I was in youth ministry, you know, I was starting to watch the Chris Canes and the Donna Crouches and the Joyce Myers and the, you know, I mean, Marilyn Hickey inspired me back in the day, you know? So I looked at that and I was like, oh my gosh, I think that's what God's called me to do. But my young self strove to get it quicker, like go there quickly where Mm -hmm. God's design was, Alex, you're probably in, in hindsight, he's like, the process is going to be a lot longer than you think, but I just need you to develop the inner Alex and not get so caught up in the teaching because at 22, I had nothing to say, even though I thought I had a lot to say, but really God launched me into that fullness of my destiny um, at the age of 40. And I'm thankful, even though I did a lot of things, you know, from 22, Mm -hmm. I was employed to 40, but God didn't really set me into who, you know, what I'm doing now till I was 40. So I would just say to every woman, there is a place for you that God has called you, but develop who you are on the inside, grow your security in Christ, not in what you do. Do not let your identity be hinged on teaching, preaching platform, because it will stifle you, die to everything, put it on the altar and God will raise it up at the appointed time. But in the meantime, work on you and Holy Spirit and work at knowing the word because the word will never return void. And in due season, you will be able to unleash everything that has been sown in that lifetime of preparation. And don't be in a hurry to get on a platform. It will come at the appointed time. I, I, I love that. And, you know, I, this morning I, I had the privilege of speaking in chapel, but my main theme this morning and it's something I've been kind of wrestling with, you know, especially since um, the passing of Kobe Bryant, which, you know, if you know that community in California, he was yeah. very available to people in California. Yeah. I, I lived about 10 minutes mm-hmm. from where he was. And uh, so, so when we have a celebrity like that, that, you know, dies tragically, it creates sort of this, um, undiscovered, you know, shock back to reality. Uh, there are hard questions I've got to contend with, right? So, yeah. so my point is, I think based off of what you said and what I, what I mentioned to the students this morning is, is that you need to learn how to be significant where you are today and not where you think you will be tomorrow. Absolutely. It's, it's that process of seeing every single day of your life, God will put someone in your path who needs to hear and experience his love. That's all you've got to do. Is be significant right now. And then God will take all of that. He'll build all of that and he'll put it into something that is incredible greatness, success, or whatever you want to call it. And whatever that looks like, you know, that's a, a yeah. very uh, difficult conversation to have. What is success in ministry? But I think students, you know, I think, you know, sort of my heart and my passion is for them to, to understand that, yeah, uh, they may not be where they think they ought to be, Yeah, but where they are right now is equally as critical because it's, oh, it's, it's building necessary. the foundation for everything yeah. else. Yeah. So, I, I so have I, a sermon. I love, I love that. Yeah. I have a sermon called the process is the destination. Um, we're all wanting to get to the destination and God's mm-hmm. only interested in who we're becoming. He doesn't, the, 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 the outcome and the destination is irrelevant. It's who you are because if you are sick on the inside, but you have a way to get to your destination. It's going to be burned up as wood, hay, stubble to the Lord anyway. He's mm. more concerned in your process, how you process offense, how you process hiddenness, how you process uh, being overlooked, how you process being betrayed. He is looking for these gold elements in you. And that's what sets you up because we've got a lot of people with charisma who are anointed, but we have a very few people who have authority and authority is different to an, like we're all anointed because we have Christ in us, but authority comes through obedience. It comes from the crushing. It comes from the process. And we've got to teach this generation 
that we are not an Instagram instant overnight success. We're not influencers for Christ. We're followers of Christ. Right, and, right. you know, it's, it, it's, there's a longevity of our ministry. It's not an overnight success. The belonging is not an overnight success because I had tw- Henry and I had 20 years of process. And people look at that, but this is just the fruit of the 20 years of the, of the hidden years, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's no, the process is interesting. You, you said something that resonated with me. You said at 22, you, you really didn't have much to say. I actually went back to a youth group I used to pastor like five years after I left and apologized for some of the sermons. They were so bad. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, so they were so yeah. bad. Like, I, like at the time I was like, this is great. And they were like, yeah. terrible. So I went back. Um, yeah. So how did we get from, from this, this 22 year old self? Cause that's where I was with lots of zeal, but nothing to say through the process to where God's leading you, what are some of the elements in the process that we have to go through to get there? Stay planted in one local church. <laughs> amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Stay planted yes. because I stayed from the age, well, we were there from the age of 11 when I went to this church. I'd only ever been in another church. It was a small kind of ethnic church that my parents went to, but got saved at this church at 11 and I didn't leave till we went to America. And I can tell you it was so great and it was so bad some days and it was so hard some days, but you just have to look at the life of Moses and Joseph and Abraham and you see that there is something to be said about working through stuff as you're a servant. To be a great leader, you need to understand how to be an awesome servant. And if you can master servanthood, you will be an incredible leader. But a lot of people want to short circuit their servanthood years because they just want to be seen. And there's a really good book by Alicia Cole uh, called Anonymous. Alicia Cole, sorry. And it's called Anonymous and it basically talks about Jesus's hidden years, his 30 years of being hidden and how the last three years uh, we're still talking about and we're still um, experiencing the effects of. But 30 were hidden, three were fruitful. And most of our preparation is very, very important for us to have incredible impact. So learn how to serve well. I think that's my greatest advice. I, I, I love this particular conversation because also one of the big challenges we have here and, and students who love Jesus and are called to ministry, even here on a Christian campus, are having a really difficult time staying plugged into a local church if they even go to church at all. Exactly. And so, and so we try to encourage that as much as we, we possibly can. But I love this idea about staying plugged into a church. There's a big difference uh, between servanthood and learning how to work things out and working through conflict and, you know, uh, the struggle and the disappointments yeah. and the lack of opportunities and whatever else is there. And those are real. There's a big difference between that and God saying, hey, this is, uh, this is the season for you to change. Yes. And I think, I think my assumption is that we, we often equate adversity with God saying it's time to move. And that is not the case at all. No. That is not the case at all. No, we've, we're setting up this generation. They don't know how to hear the word no. They think mm-hmm. grass is greener in, on the other side, but actually grass is green where you water it and where the manure gets put down. And yep. Um, they don't understand, they don't understand that an organic farm takes, you know, seven years to yield a great harvest. You know, they don't understand that because we're, we're teaching everything instant and parents are not great teachers these days because they're giving everything to their kid immediately. There's no honor there's no appreciation. There's no working hard for anything. And we've, we've, we're, we're creating shallow, entitled young people who just want to be known as celebrity ministers and pastors. And we're really doing a disservice um, for the future of our ministers. Yeah. I heard a, another 
pastor that I track with and listen to talk about how um, they were asking, I want to say it was maybe fifth graders, what they wanted to be when they grew up. And it used to be president or a doctor or a lawyer. They had all these lists of things. And the, the overriding answer was they wanted to be an influencer or a YouTuber. Like, so there, there's this yeah. drive and want to be seen and be known and be famous. Yeah. Um, and not really probably no one wanting to do the work to get to where God's leading them. I think that's totally. the hard part. I mean, even, even as Rob and I sit here in, in our early forties, there's been a lot of days that I would have rather not gone through, but going through them got me here. Totally. Um, and, and I don't know that, that it's really hard to communicate that to young people They go, Hey, guess what? It's going to be hard some days. Yeah. And you're really not going to like it, but keep going through because that seems like a good idea. They're like, yeah. no, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. change. Like, cause I think they probably change majors around here more than they change clothes. I mean, that's the wow. thing. Like, part yeah. of wow. the story. You know, and I think again, that comes back to that conversation though. Are, are we doing a good job of helping our students understand that the struggle is equally beneficial as the success? Yeah. hundred percent. Right. I mean, are, are we, are we helping them see the value in the pain? Right. You uh, have so, to. You have to. Yeah. You have to. So I think I think it keeps coming back to th- those kinds of conversations. This is exactly the message I preached today. Yeah. By the way, so so we're right up my alley. I'm Download all juiced up and ready to go. Right. Do whatever so, you got to go. Um, Get it on that Apple podcast. Yeah. 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 I think I think these are such critical conversations, which I think probably leads well because I definitely won't get off the show without talking about your book. Yeah. Uh, I think leads well into the the latest book that you wrote called The Opposite Life. And yeah. So uh, can you just kind of help us understand where you're coming from with that? Yeah, I mean, it does segue beautifully because um, we've got to get back to the grassroots of the gospel. Um, Jesus came to overthrow a law uh, and, and, you know, pharisaical, I, I like to be seen, but I'm horrible to people. You know, I'm robbing from people. I'm stealing, but, oh, I'm praying the loudest and I'm the cleanest because I'm washing my hands and everything's outward. Um, but Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm flipping everything on its head and the gospel's now opposite to what you have ever known it to be. It's love your enemy. It's mm-hmm. do good to those who hurt you. It's pray for those who uh, betray you. It's bless them. It's go the extra mile. If somebody steals from you, give them extra. Um, love, forgive. These are such fundamentals that we have forgotten. I mean, we've got a generation that are on Instagram fighting one another on political issues. We've got a Mm -hmm. racial divide that is bigger than ever. Um, And we've got Christians at the helm spitfiring their opinions and they've forgotten that there is a person on the other side of that screen and that's a person that Jesus died for. And we are forgetting the simplistic gospel and we want a blessed life, but we want to do it the world's way and not the kingdom way. And so my whole book is 20 key principles that I've learned over the course of my, you know, 25 years of ministry that the only way to a true blessed life is to do everything that our flesh wants to do, right? Do the opposite because kingdom is all about, what your flesh doesn't want to do. And the world is all about flesh, do what you want. The wide road is the flesh. The narrow road is the spirit. Mm. But I tell you, I look at my life now, I'm 47 this year and I, my life is beyond blessed. I have the most beautiful marriage. I have two amazing kids. I've got a beautiful church. We're blessed in every way. And it's because I did everything opposite. I'm not perfect, but I chose to take the narrow road every time. And I think if we can teach, I think it's one of the most important books I'll ever write because if we can teach this generation how to live like Jesus did, it's, it's a game changer because our kids are not thinking eternal. They're thinking temporal. Yeah. Yeah. I said today, and I, gosh, I sound like I'm, I'm not preaching to you. I promise. No, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I, I said I today, it. I said, the reason why we don't have more Christians is because the Christians we got don't act like the Christians they're supposed to be. Sure. Yeah. And I think it comes back yeah. down to this choosing the opposite life Yeah. and, uh, and making decisions on an every single day basis yes. that help us reflect the fullness of who God is in our lives. I mean, I totally. think, that's that's the heartbeat of it. That's yeah. the heartbeat. And, and we, we were talking about things that are that are difficult, and not easy to do. 
crucifying the flesh is not easy to do. Um, it, it's a daily process and a daily difficult process at that. Um, so how do you, maybe you reflect this more in the book, how do we walk that road of just really beginning to, to say no to the things that are the wide road, the easy road, to the difficult ways, the, even the slow processes of the of Holy Spirit working things out in our life? How do we sort of make that turn? Well, I think it comes down to your personal relationship with Jesus. Um, I said this on a, another podcast, but I, I said to them, because they said, like, how do you, same question. And I said, you know, I, I've never forgotten where I've come from in the sense of I live from the place that I'm not doing Jesus a favor by being a Christian. He saved my life. I was condemned to hell by my own actions. And every day, because of his blood that was shed, I'm alive. I'm dead to sin. So why am I carrying the dead person around when that's dead? I'm alive in Christ. If my relationship in Christ, the revelation of the love I have with him, that's where I live from. I live from that place. I don't live according to, oh, I've got to do the right thing. Oh, if I do that, I could go to hell. Oh, that's not Christian. No, I'm in love with Jesus so much and I don't want to break his heart. And because he did it first, he then says, Al, I totally get where you're at, but this is the measure, me. I was perfect and I still chose the narrow road. You're not perfect. You can do this. Because I love you, do this. And it shifts everything. And I do it because I'm a follower of Christ. I'm not just a Christian with a little C. I'm a, I'm a disciple of Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul said. I'm following the ways of my Messiah, my leader. And if I'm following him, I do it out of love, not out of a rule or regulation. And we go to live from that place. Oh, that's, that's amazing. That's good. It reminds me of the... Uh, the uh, scripture, I think it's in First uh, Samuel chapter 10, around 5 or 6 or something like that, where Saul is given instructions by Samuel to go do certain things. And there's a key verse in there, and it says, uh, when, when, when Saul encountered or when Saul began to prophesy, it says that he was changed into a different person. And I think it's that, that encounter that you're talking about, that love for Jesus. And when you encounter a holy God who loves you totally. from eternity, yeah. it, cha- it has to change you. Yeah. Yes. How could you encounter the love of God and not be radically changed? Totally. Not, it just, and so I think, I think you know, what you're saying and kind of pushing us to understand is, is that this opposite life that we, that we get to choose, it's not mandated. No. It's a choice we get to make. Yeah. Uh, the opposite life that we're called to is a life that is, it sounds more difficult. Yeah. But in actuality, it, it actually becomes much easier for us. To live yes. Because yes. Because we're free. Because yes. we understand. Yes. Because now we know. Totally. And so, so that opposite life is actually a freeing conversation. It's not a binding yeah. one. No. It actually presents the best blessing. It's, right. it's actually so awesome that when you start doing it, it's almost like unwrapping presents because you're like, I could never have determined that outcome. If I had gone, you know, I, I, I speak about a story in, in the book where um, my husband was, you know, robbed of tens and tens of thousands of dollars and we could have gone and sued and we could have done what the world is told to do. But God said, Henry, if you do that, you'll get your money back, but that will be the lid. But if you Mm -hmm. choose to sow it as seed and let it go. So the Bible, the, the, the Bible says, if someone steals your shirt, take or your coat, take your shirt and give it to them as a gift. So he goes, right now you've been stolen from. So now you have an opportunity. You can either uh, get it back by, by suing them or sow it as seed, as a gift unto me. And you watch that will be the platform of how I provide for you. We, we give it away. We sow it. We forgive our thief and God brings back every dollar supernaturally not through paychecks not through whatever supernaturally in nine months 
from many, many various forms, all of that money came back into our lap and it's been the platform. And this is what people don't understand. Yeah. Because everyone yeah. wants justice according to the world yeah. system, not vindication. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I want to shift gears just a little bit. We have one of your yeah. really good friends on the show, Carlos Whitaker. Uh, oh, early on, we started we started the – actually, that's how I found out about the blogging company. He's like Insta-famous. Like his Insta yes. stories are the best. He had all yes. of them. You're great. TV co-hats. Yeah. And I was like, that's a super cool hat. And so I stumbled on the blogging based on his hat. Uh, but he shared a story with us that, that I want to hear your side of. Uh, apparently, Heather and him were at your house for dinner. Um, he had really been struggling with anxiety. He was talking about his Kill the Spider book and overcoming anxiety and really the work God's done in him there. And it was a great episode. Um, but he said there was a point in that dinner where where he was communicating with you as his pastor about the anxiety. And you asked him this question. You said, Carlos, are you filled with the Spirit? And he goes, um, yeah. I think so. <laughs> and, and in true, in true Alex form, with the way he tells it is, you said, okay, we're going to take care of that now. So, well, I want to hear your side of that story. And what, what led you in that moment to know that was the moment for Carlos to pray for him to receive the spirit? Well, cause he's struggling with anxiety. Why do we have to live with that for another day? Because <laughs> like why, um, like he was telling me how he was pulling out his little prayer book and he was reading the prayers in his most anxious moment. And I said, Carlos, I said, you, you don't need to pull out your little prayer book and read. You've got the spirit of the living God in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So do, do you have your prayer language? All you need to do is bubble up because the prayer, prayer language, speaking in tongues, it, the Bible says it edifies our spirit. And we're speaking a language unto God that Satan and the enemy does ha he has no understanding of. I said, and there's power in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, well, I think I am. I said, no, you either know or you don't. So, <laughs> so I said, let's pray right now. Like, do you want it now? And he's like, yeah. So we brought Heather and over and to the couch and we began to pray, but things were stuck. And see, again, this is why being... Uh, a person who understands the gifts of the spirit. So all of us as Christians have the available, available. Um, so we have all the gifts available to us and the gift of distinguishing spirits. That's a gift, right? Yeah. This is what we're not teaching and allowing our people to understand. And this is what we do at our church. We teach on the gift of healing, keep teach on the gift of prophecy, gifts of mm -hmm. interpreting tongues, you know, all the, all the gifts because right here, I'm discerning there is a spirit in, at work in Carlos that's tormenting him that needs to be delivered. And this, again, is where we've steered away from this. Yes. And so when he got to that point where I said, okay, Carlos, I need you to say this line. I can't remember what the sentence was. had Jesus in it. Now, Carlos is not short of words. He knows how to talk that's very true. fluently. That's true. And yet he cannot say the sentence. He's like... And I'm like, okay, I know what that is. That's the spirit. It's a demon. So I just then go into my, you know, he calls it my spirit ninja mode. And I just <laughs> lay hands on him and I call that thing out and I get him to come out of agreement with a lie. He had a spirit of death and a, an agree, a fear of death. Um, and we came out, that thing literally wanted, he did come out um, and he was set free and then immediately filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And it was an encounter for him and his wife. And that's how we should be living every day, guys. Yeah. Every day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I've tracked with Carlos for a long time when Carlos was just a worship leader. And I said this yeah. to him either on the episode or after we went, after we cut. But when, when I like got connected with Carlos on Instagram, I was, and I told my wife this, I said, he's not the same guy. Mm -hmm. Like, and so yeah. when he, then he told me that story and I was like, well, now I know why he's not yeah, the yeah, same exactly. guy. Like, cause I mean, I knew Carlos, he loved the worship and he's always the fun guy, you know, you track with on social media. Um, but yeah, that encounter just was for me sort of the mark. And I go, Oh, now I know why you're different. Like now, now I, now I understand why when I look at you and hear you speak and I, I see your life, there's a distinguishing mark. Yeah. Um, on your life that wasn't there previously. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit kind of 
invading that space and really filling yeah. us and, and changing us. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Alex, we are, we're getting close to time and I certainly want to be respectful of your time. And uh, I wish we, well, we need about seven sessions. Okay. <laughs> well, we need so, so maybe we'll, hopefully we'll get you back on the show at some yeah. point or maybe we should just we're go to Nashville. Nashville. We'll just we'll go to Nashville. Nashville. We're, we're looking for really good reasons so, to go to Nashville. Right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we have one question for you. We ask yeah. all this, this question to all of our guests on the show. And that is, we, uh, we want to know what is one lesson you learned in college that uh, you didn't necessarily learn in the classroom? Yeah. Um, oh gosh. I think my year of Bible college was, I only did one year guys. Sorry. Um, I did one year of Bible college and um, I realized that it wasn't about the theology as much it was about the internal understanding of who I am and who God is. And I think I went through such a hard year because I wrestled with, I thought I was going in to learn about the ways of God through scripture, like doing Bible study every day, but really what God was doing internally. And he was, he was killing all the crap inside of my spirit, my life. And I was not aware of that. That didn't happen in a classroom. That happened so outside of it. And I think so many young guys that go to college, that's really the hard thing that you you go in thinking you're just going to school to learn all these things, but actually so much of it is emotional and spiritual outside of the classroom. And so I think for me, it was, it was the beginning of learning how to die to self, uh, that you can't learn that in a classroom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... That's good. Well, we appreciate you coming on the show. Again, you've got two books, Taylor Made and the newest one, The Opposite Life. Where can people pick those up? Amazon, um, online, my, uh, uh, the Belonging Co. website. I don't know anywhere any good books are sold. I think they're in yeah. Barnes & Noble, I know. But yeah, anyway, if you just Google Taylor Made or The Opposite Life, you'll, you'll be able to find it. And awesome. it comes on audio as well. Audio, excellent. Do you read it? Yes, I read it. Oh, that's so. even better. I can get the audio. Okay. Yeah. So, how can we stay connected to you, Alex, personally? Yeah, uh, I'm an Instagram. Oh, well, I'm not really on Instagram right now, but I, I do have an Instagram. I'm just fasting at the moment. Um, Alex Seely is my Instagram. Uh, I'm on, I have my own website, obviously, www.alexseely.com, the belonging code, all my sermons and podcasts. And um, yeah, and I have an itinerary on my website to show where I'm preaching throughout the year. So that's it. Cool. Awesome. We appreciate Very cool. that. Awesome. Alex, we appreciate you so much. And as uh, we like to say here at the Collectives Co., uh, there's a seat at the table for you. So thanks for being Thank on the you. show. Thanks. Thank you. It's a real awesome. pleasure. Thank you, guys. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Collectives Co. podcast. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and share this on social media so this content can reach other great leaders? 